0: So I'm back in the country Welcome And uh, I want to tell my, my listeners about something that I did while I was away I was away for a incredibly sad occasion I lost a dear, dear friend And while I was there, I was uh, missing my dear friend here, Dominic And he doesn't know I'm about to say any of this And I was missing Dom And I was walking past um, a music store in Town. I would taken take myself out for a date as a distraction And I walked through there and there's a beautiful whistle section and I was thinking, oh, man, I'd love to have a chat with Dom and it's like three o'clock in the afternoon, Irish time, so whatever time it was here and I didn't have my mate and I needed to talk to my my Bowenhead's bud and there was some whistles on the wall and now when Dom first moved to bow and Heads. He hadn't had a whistle for... when well, I'm talking about him in the third person. He's standing in front of me with a bit kind of starry-eyed. <laughs> how, how long had it been before you had a whistle before? Uh, do you
1: know, I had a, had a wee Generation D one, so I, right. I always had one kind of lying about in the bottom of my bag sort of thing. Because I remember
0: one of the first times you called around here, and I said, oh, God. And I only had three whistles that I had bought just to have some... Well, I thought the kids might use them. <laughs> Drumsticks. Anyway, I remember giving you that one. And then you got your really beautiful one. And then... As you listeners will know, myself and Dom sometimes get to go to festivals. And Dom is walking around with his jacket on with his beautiful whistle in his inside pocket. One day maybe he'll talk about A wooden about
1: one. It. A wooden <sighs> whistle, which my brother bought for me.
0: And it's it's festival season. And, you know, it's late nights and I'm always terrified. So anyway, I'm in there. I'm missing my bud and I bought him a, a whistle. Now, during that time, too, I when I go back to Australia, some other things were happening and I was thinking a lot about well, Dom and French and what he means to me. And one thing that Dom and I joke about quite a bit is making T-shirts for this podcast. And the T-shirts would say, we're not chances, we're custodians. Because <laughs> right? we have this feeling the whole time that we are chances. Well, particularly it, me, I'm admitting I know nothing the whole time, yet I'm getting to talk to the best musicians in the world on a weekly basis. And that doesn't make sense. And I'm looking at Dom, and he puts down his whistle playing, and he, he's much better than he pretends he is. It's so uh, I have got an engraved onto the whistle that you're a custodian, you're not a chance. Uh, actually, it's know. on. So it's it's on there, and hopefully next time that we get to have an opportunity where someone asks Dom to have a play, he might play it, or maybe we'll get him one day to do it, an opening. An opening piece on here for. I'll do a little
1: <laughs> a number. I just want to throw them in a the deep end. Ah, uh, listen, that it's that's that's so lovely. Thank yeah. you. So look after and, your uh, mates, everyone out there.
0: It's an important thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I got a little bit. Well, you, <laughs> deep, you know Do we get deep in this
1: interview? It happens. We do. We and do. Uh, today's it? guest is Kieran O'Grady, who is a, a concertina player and one of the most. I don't know, the most articulate, most elegant players that you could ever hear. And so that's today's episode. And it's, I have to say, it's just a really beautiful, it's a really beautiful episode. And um, it's just, uh, it was just a lovely experience to, yeah. to have a chance to do that and to do it with you, mate. Cheers. So.
0: And I just wanted to say thank you to Kieran too. Hopefully, if you get to listen to this and for everyone else. So, Kieran is actually maybe know, the first, second, or third patrons of this show. We had never known Karen before that, so he's not in our circle of friends <laughs> or so. It was like a stranger, and we, this name popped up. In the early days, that was such a huge thing for us. It still is a huge thing. We, we don't have a whole lot of patrons. We, we, we really don't. So, back then, when we saw someone was putting their hand in their pocket to keep this thing going, it was great for us. Then to actually have to meet Karen and have him on the show, it was brilliant. So, look, if there's anyone out there, essentially, what I'm going to ask is the usual thing. If you can help, please do. It's still going to be free for anyone else maybe to think of it as you're paying it forward. But if you could give us $2 an episode at patreon.com forward slash Balani Pilgrims. Don will spell Patreon for you. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Because I will always spell it wrong. <laughs> but sorry, I just need to get that in there, Karen. Thank you for that. You, I know we told you in person, but really it made a huge difference seeing a name pop up <laughs> that we hadn't seen before. and.
1: <laughs> people might actually like this that's right so thank you mate you,
0: you're, you're absolutely
1: a reason why we're doing this thing so and um, with that let's uh, get on with the music here is kieran o'grady Larnie Pilgrims that was an exquisite couple of tunes. Uh, the Lark in the Morning, the first one, which um, I'm really interested, like so that version of the melody, right I'd not quite heard that before. Is that your own sort of um,
2: No, I think I've been playing it that way for a long time. Um, it's probably one of the, not one of the first tunes I learned, but it's, it's early.
1: It is an early tune that people learn I mean, because I guess it yeah. has certain structures that you end up using in lots of other tunes right? yeah. with lots of shapes in there that are kind of Yeah,
2: that is um, and it's probably I, I played it because it would have been one of the first tunes that I played in a competition and I remember getting told that it was too long, and I wasn't, I wasn't good enough to play it, really. I remember that, clearly. Really? It's a four-parter, <laughs> It's a four-parter, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think yeah, you I played a four-part reel as well. Pretty stupid. <laughs> uh,
1: and what was the second? What was the, second? Uh, the
2: second one's one I wrote. I haven't, there isn't a name on that yet, but...
1: Yeah. Right. So where, where did you grow up? Uh,
2: so I grew up in Luton, just north of London. Um, big, um, big Irish community there, so a big music community as well. Um, so yeah, the youngest of a family of three, um, we all got music in some form or other. Um, I think Tuesday evenings there was a music class at Anne Corfield's house in Luton. So she she was um, the teacher in Culters in in Luton. It was you know when you look back on it, it was it was a pretty humble setup, mm-hmm. um, but it, it turned out some cracking musicians. Um, mm-hmm. And her own uh, her own children were great musicians, so um, they were kind of floating around the house. And there would be kids in every room, you know, with whistles and you know, sort of notes and you know, this big mashup of of music going on. Basically, learning the dawning of the day and you know, years. something like that. Um, so we, that was that was the the introduction was was in some ways quite formal. Um, I didn't learn the whistle, my my. my brother and sister James and Teresa had and they'd moved on to fiddle and banjo and um, mum and dad bought me an accordion so that was Mm -hmm. what I started on. Was it a button? A button accordion yeah it was a a red meteor accordion hated it absolutely hated it. You still had it? No couldn't wait to get rid of it um (laughs) They oh, the- you
1: are supposed to say, yeah, I still have it. Then and again, I and no. took it out, I opened the box, and <laughs> the smell, no. of the
2: smell of my towel. No, oh, smell of my God, no, I hated it. And mum <laughs> insisted I keep playing it, so I, they upgraded it to a, a pala soprani uh, red two, two, two coupler accordion at some stage. But I had the had the accordion for a while. Um,
1: and were you learning that at Anne Caulfield's?
2: Yeah, place? I was not very well. Um, but was um, uh, she
1: a player, a box player, or a-
2: no? The, so it was quite self-directed, and right. um, you know, you'd there would be a, a, a page being handed round, and you'd sort of have to copy down the notes of that. So you like, you know, with no real music theory behind it, you were writing down notes that weren't in rhythm or anything like that. I had no concept of what that was, even. You're just trying to follow. This thing, that um, was it was a poor poor start for me. It was it was a really successful model uh, like like Anne and uh, they were just amazing what they were able to do uh, and open up their house to, to young kids coming mm-hmm. in. And, you know, um,
1: you know that always sounds very appealing as a concept, mm. but the minute. Um, my two kids pick up a ten whistle
2: and I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> so just imagine... This
1: is a, this this a five-minute yeah, like kind of feeling yeah. in there. <laughs> so it.
2: put 30 or 40 kids in your house. That was a Tuesday at their place. Um, that sounds incredible. It was. Yeah, it yeah. really was. And, you know, yeah, it was. But it's all about on.
1: the presiding spirit over I suppose, yeah. isn't
2: it? And, and, you know, you don't have that much insight at seven, you know, to wonder what this is. This is just where you go. This is where you're sent. You get dropped off and you're orange and white Volkswagen camper van, uh, which is the family car, and you get thrown in there for an hour or so, mm-hmm. and you and you come out again and, you know, no one really says anything about it for the rest of the week. It's just what you do. It's just what you do. Yeah. Um, and there was um, – they would they would go around to uh, – like cults as an organisation, was pretty strong in Luton, so there would be regular sessions and things like that. But I remember early on going to um, – an aged care home, like old people's home, as we would have called it, and uh, you know we we're all dressed up with green waistcoats with a sort of a gold braid on them and a gold tie, and uh, just all standing up, basically all playing the whistle. I did not think I had the accordion at that stage, so I was handed a whistle, and I, you know, so I'm basically like just visual, standing there with the whistle up to my top lip, but actually whistling behind it because I could, I could, I could, knew the tunes, I could whistle. But, you know, terrible. Uh, and uh, it was a few months later. Mum and Dad had some sort of party at our house. It wasn't really a thing that they did much. Um, and the lady across the road, who was called Kath Skinner, uh, had a concertina. She had a 20-key concertina. And she brought that over. Mum and Dad knew. I'd, I'd, I'd expressed an interest in that. We had the Noel Hill and Tony Lanan tape, the 1978 recording of that duet. This, you know amazing album and the, and the front cover of his, is a, of a lamp and a fiddle and a concertina and I just I, I remember saying to mum if you get me one of those I'll do that I'll do that I just don't want the accordion and they did so um, Kath came over with the concertina one night and I got I got the whole evening on it and you know I had a tune by the end of the evening and then Kath said you know you can, you can have the concertina you know so mum and dad gave her a, a few quid for it and um, and that was that was the start proper start then I was happy <laughs> were, were, were your mum and dad playing at all themselves or singing or anything? No, no. Um, they'd met in, in England. Dad is from Mayo um, and mum is from Cork. And uh, there, there was some music in dad's family. Um, his brother Tom had a fiddle. And mum's, mum would be distantly related to the Dwyers from West Cork, so like John Dwyer, Richard, Michael, um, Finbar. But, you know, nothing nothing tangible. There was, no, there was no sort of local music within there growing up. But they would have met in the Galtimore in London uh, and probably, you know, doing half Kayleigh, doing half whatever the other side was, the, you know, sort of show band stuff, you know, and enjoying that. So, no, that wasn't really. I think it was Tuesday night. It was an exercise in, um, you know, sort of cultural engagement, basically. They, they, these were economic migrants in... Um, in England, no more than I am in Australia now, that they were trying to carve away for themselves and, and hold on to something um, that, they, that they weren't otherwise able to do because, you know, we got to Ireland once a year um, as kids, you know, in the orange and white camper van over on the ferry. Um, and this was something to hold on to, I suppose. So we were sent there for lessons. And, and I, I didn't go very... Like, once I got the Constantine, I didn't go. I had no formal... Um, there, were no, there was no Constantine plays in Luton, so there was no instruction. So just, but they, there was no they, they 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 loved music. I think Dad more so. He would come in. He was a builder on you know on the sites in London, and a, a carpenter. And he would come in, you know, wrecked at night time, um, sit down on the couch, watch the news, fall asleep, wait for Mum to say dinner's ready, and you know we'd have a family dinner together. And, you know, if you were, if there was music somewhere in between all of that, you know, it was his feet that would be tapping or his, he would be excited by that. And he was always a great listener, yeah.
1: So what about your mum?
2: Uh, mum was always at the sink. She was just a hard-working housewife. Um, she did other things too, but um, she, as much as he was a listener, she was the one telling you what to do. Um, so she was... She didn't know how to play, but she did to a greater or lesser extent know when you were doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember, so I was probably eight with the concertina properly getting going, but again, I won a 20 key concertina. They they bought me a, a decent concertina pretty soon afterwards. There was never any, if we needed an instrument, they always provided, they were, you know, outstanding. Um, but we went to. Uh, we went to Ireland every summer, and we went to um, Doolin one 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 summer, and there was you know the pub in Doolin, O'Connor's pub, and Francis Droney was a resident sort of musician there, and, and who, who's that? He's a concertina player of you know amazing sort of. Constantina lineage his father chris droney is an outstanding Constantina, as was his grandfather jim droney so you know to sit in a sit in a pub and he's there in front of you um you know amazing so at the end of the session a mum had kind of hoofed us in there you know get getting close getting close close as you can and you're like oh god's sake yeah uh, and and francis was really welcoming and really engaging and at the end of the session you know paid gig saturday night he's more than within his rights to just go home uh he he took me into the front of the pub which was still a shop and he sat me on the counter and he said you could be great great player he said but you just got to do it differently he said if you keep going the way you're going you'll end up like me i thought that's class like you're great and he's like no 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 you've got to learn it differently you've got to learn to play across the keys you know, Noel Hill is playing across the keys. Uh, that's the three rows on a concertina. So learn to play east and west rather than north and south. You know, s- sticking to one one row if you like. So and, and he was just so I can understand that. Yeah. So what? There's three rows, oh, four rows. Because I've already Oh, them, okay. This I is sort kind of an, an odd an odd concertina. Um, but there's three three rows. You've basically got a row in um, G. You've got a row in C and then you've got an outside row which is a mix of stuff that I'm not really qualified to <laughs> communicate um, and, and so, so a lot of older styles would play up and down one of those rows um, so it'd be like so that yeah. kind of way rather than playing all across using as much as you can of the concertina so Makes that, that yeah. was yeah. So, so Francis was, so he wasn't able to actually tell me what to do but he was able to tell me what not to do. But Francis and
0: played in that older way. He played in that older style. Yeah, yeah okay. predominantly. Yeah. I mean, he was,
2: oh, he's an excellent Constantino player. Yeah, but he, he saw good. that straight away you yeah. and, and knew yeah. what you would need to take on. Yeah. yeah um, and mum was there in the background. Um, I remember she was holding three white T-shirts of the O'Connor's pub, Doolin, that the, the, the <laughs> bar had given us. And You um, still have those. So, not I the the yeah. framed, framed. Signed by Francis Droney. No, no, no. Um, and we went home and... Uh, for the next, it must have been months, every time I sat down to play, mum would just say, are you doing what Francis Droney told you to do? And I'd be like, I'm, you know, I'm trying to work it out, you know. And she would keep on and say, you know, there's, there's got to be more. What well, well, the outside row? He was always saying the outside row. Are you using the outside row? No, not really. You know, uh, but it, she was so, um, you know, I'd say it wouldn't matter what we did, really. She was, she was going to make us good. Yeah, yeah she was great.
0: Said, did you have anyone that was, became a mentor or a teacher? Like, did someone step in at some stage to, to give you outside guidance?
2: Uh, no, not for the concertina. Uh, more broadly, music-wise, definitely. Um, we would go to... like, like Mum and Dad would take us everywhere. You know, They were really full-on about this. Uh, so we would go into London on, on Sunday afternoons. Um, the coaching horses session was, was really good. So Paddy Hayes, great accordion player. Brian Rooney was there. Great fiddle black, clearly like you know, he's you know, he was just Brian Rooney back in the day, now he's like Brian Rooney, the godfather, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um so and they were cracking musicians in London. So you you were you were getting soaked in as much Irish music as you as they could possibly do, and then you go to Ireland in the summer and play everywhere,
0: you know. Was it were your parents starting to get were they drawn in then by the, the social aspect? Because obviously they were supporting you, but they were going to crack in sessions. Did, was music becoming more of a, a role in their lives? Music itself, rather than just... Like, for me, I bring my kids around to basketball. I can't yeah. say my love of basketball has grown all that much. I do similar, Darren. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean? So do you reckon, looking at your parents, were they... St- from not being overly musical, were they
2: drawn to it more? Not overly musical, but definitely loved the music. Yeah. Uh, and say so dad particularly so. And maybe, maybe I'm being harsh on mum. But it's a social thing. Like I know with the different sports yeah.
0: that I go to with the kids, and you'll be on the same button, the different sports have different... They give different things in terms of parents, what parents I get yeah. to spend my time with yeah. while the kids... So I, I imagine I th- going to a session is quite nice.
2: I think it, it was nice. I think they really enjoyed... Seeing their three kids play, I think that was a, a huge part of it. Um, neither of them drank or smoked, and at the time in you know London, like that's a big part of the scene as well. So I think in some ways, Dad would have felt, um, and he was quite a quiet and like shy character, maybe. So he would have felt, you know, it wasn't a, it wasn't necessarily a comfort, a comfortable spot. Completely. But he would just start, he would enjoy the music. He wouldn't feel the need to interact as much socially or maybe we were just focused on the music and didn't know what they were up to maybe they were chatting all around them i don't know yeah, don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah interesting I, you end up it's funny how in my mind i went straight to kind of thinking oh well i'd bring my kids to basketball i'm not really interested in basketball so i don't really interact that much but it, it's just presuming i was presuming that maybe your mom and dad were, were going it was a social thing having a drink or two but it wasn't it was, they no. were doing it sounds to me like we were doing it much more of a dedication to the, to you guys. yeah
2: they were i mean dad would you know there would be weeknights we would go to sessions in London um you know like a school night and and they take you in there and I can remember a couple of school nights when I was you know either didn't know enough tunes or was just tired and they would put me to sleep in the pub under a table while James and Teresa played on a bit more and then drive home and it might be you know it's good 35 40 minute drive at least from you know London at that time of night up to our place in Luton and dad would do that at 11 o'clock and get up at five and go to work on the buildings. Like that's, you know, yeah. And James and Teresa, your brother and
1: sister. Yeah. Right. So, so what do they play?
2: So James is a, a piper and a fiddle player. Um, he still lives in England close to where we grew up. He's married kids, uh, came out last Christmas, which was fantastic. And Teresa's is a banjo player. Um, she's a great banjo player. Um, she put an album out there 2 years ago maybe less the banjo wister she's really good i mean she's really good and uh, she's a great crack um, and she she's come out a couple of times she's come out to the national folk festival there the last two times it just you know she's so much fun yeah. so and she actually um, she teaches Donaka our, our younger son the banjo now via right. Skype yeah. which is just so good to have uh, that connection you know really strong on a weekly basis yeah. that she's Putting that time into what age is your son? Uh, Donica's ten. Ten. Yeah, right. and then a MacDara is fourteen.
0: Wow! And does he play?
2: Plays guitar. Yeah. Not like I know he likes Irish music. Um, not interested enough in it, to to commit to an instrument. Um, but really loves music, so I'm, that's okay. Not not bothered by that at all.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have a sense um, for for your mum and dad about? Um, like we we talk about being um, being migrants ourselves, right? And mm. you know, I, I'm here. I'm a migrant of choice, I guess. I mean, I'm very aware of my own so the luxury that I have to make certain choices that probably generations before us didn't have. You know? Yeah. Um, how was that experience of of being in England for your mom and dad? Do you think when you look back? Yeah, I think that,
2: it was it was uh, it was a really challenging one. Um, You know, I can remember us having a, a white Ford Cortina for not very long and us going and staying in a really crap bed and breakfast somewhere. I don't know if it was in Wales or it was an island. And, you know, there was there was that sort of talk of money that this was expensive. Um, and, you know, Dad was getting well paid, I'm sure, as a carpenter and a, and a, and a builder. Um, and they and they bought the orange and white yeah, you know, Volkswagen camper van as soon as they possibly could to make to make getting back to Ireland a regular thing, um, and you know they had there was an Irish community there in Luton, massive, but it wasn't the same as having your mum and dad down the road, and you know we experience the same ourselves now living in Australia without that sort of family backup. And I suppose now I'm able to reflect on it with more insight, knowing what they did and, and how they, they did it on their own, you know. And, um, you know, those, those partings every summer from the Mayo family and the Cork family were excruciating to get back into the camper van at the end. Awful. Yeah. Like, you know, your grandfather giving you, you know, a, a five-pound note in your pocket um, to go away with, and each of the, you know, each of us. And you this this sort of annual charade of you, you know, like nine years old or whatever, you might be desperately wanting the five pounds because you know how many bags of crisps that would buy and and your mum saying no and, you know, give it back and it, it, this, you know, almost ending in a row as a way to just sort of cut the connection there and leave it, leave it at the door, the door and get into the car and go and then, you know. You know, mum crying all the way to the boat. Yeah, pretty hard. And you were getting over there pretty consistently then, once a year? Yeah, at least. um, Yeah. Um, I don't remember a Christmas there. Easter, we got there a couple of times. And again, there might be extra times when you go there because a family member is dying. So, I remember in 86, grandad died in Mayo. And then eighty eight or eighty nine, Nana was sick around Easter time, and we went back. Um, and she lasted longer than we thought she would. And I remember again, Mum and Dad think, you know, Dad wanting to stay as long as he possibly could. Just not an option. Oh, we did. We oh, you did. You, do, you stayed. Yeah, just stayed. Yeah. 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 Um, or Mum going over for a wedding. You know, the, the, it was. You know, that like we 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 wanted for nothing growing up. Um, you know. I, Mum and dad were just super, um, but there was no, there's, there's things that money just can't buy. You can't be there all the time. You can't see those moments that you know. Maybe you can now with you know WhatsApp, Facebook, and Skype, but you know it's still not the same. Yeah,
0: I think you get to scratch that edge, but not not to the same extent. You, no.
2: Well, you don't. Like, I think.
0: And none of it really matters until it's those moments of someone's ill or someone's starting to show ages of signs of age or whatever it is, yeah. and you kind of yeah. There are times when you kind of you, you uh, struggle uh, with. And this is
2: an even more recent thing than you know the sort of those memories of growing up. But um, <clears throat> my wife Afrik, um, you know, has a great family in Selbridge, and those lazy Sunday afternoon dinners that her mum Hillary would cook. You know, just. I give anything for those every every sunday yeah.
0: <laughs> i do I, I I fantasize about going back there again and, and I struggle with knowing whether it is a fantasy mm. or is it just romanticized mm. those things that I yearn for the like i I have these visions of me tramping through the fields because i 'm going to go for a walk i don't, I don't do it now <laughs> what why, just because I changed location, am I going to start <laughs> yeah, doing it? I I mean, that's, but I really do think that's exactly what I, if I was there. Now I'd have my wax jacket, <laughs> a lovely pair of boots, <laughs> and I'd be off. All right, I wouldn't have a clue where to go. <laughs> but, it, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 think, I think, it think it's,
2: I, look, I agree, and it's probably fantasy. We've got a fantastic quality of life here. Really, really excellent. And, and musically, um, it was um, much, much better than I thought it would be. Uh, I thought I might be giving something up. Um, I think my playing is definitely enriched here and the musical company that we keep is outstanding. Can we stick a pin on that and
0: have a a tune? Because I'd really love to start asking some questions about that. Yeah,
2: sure.
1: That was gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you. So, what? what <laughs> you don't hear a lot of marches these days. It's quite interesting. Um, I uh, have an uncle who plays, and he's always lamenting that, that people don't play marches very much
2: anymore. Uh, that's don't. one of your own. That's one of my own. Um, yeah, I, that, I've only written one. Um, yeah. Um, look, a load of families have their own clan march. And um, I don't think O'Grady's had one, so I thought we we deserved one. No, right. And, and uh, I, when we grew up, there was you know the family coat of arms that you get the, the sort of both family names on a wooden plaque hung on the wall. Yeah, you know, really really popular in the eighties and nineties. So and 2000s. thanks, Mo and Dad. Oh, beautiful! <laughs> O'Grady's and Lowney's, um, and the Lowney had no family motto or none that was worthy um, of being found. But the O'Grady one did have one, and it was written in Latin, and it was Vulneratus Non Victus. And I had no idea what it meant. Um, but at secondary school, I got to do Latin, and I found out that it meant wounded but not conquered. And I was like, that is so shit. <laughs> <laughs> that's our family motto. <laughs> that's, like, that's our battle cry. Um, so I just thought, well, we should have um, a slightly somber um, clan march to go with it. It's not a clam march anyway, but anyway. So that's how great valor. W- Ironic.
1: Wounded, not
2: uh, not did slightly, almost dead. That's ba- that's basically what we are uh, running into battle. Yeah, a,
1: I'll be back. Yeah.
0: That's. This <laughs> is it what 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 this is silly. But what makes a march
2: a march? Ah, you were so asking the wrong person. <laughs> Come on,
3: don't make it. It,
1: Don't look at me. I mean,
2: uh, Kieran's uh, guy I can play them. Right. Um, you know, Kenny it's a four-four. Four. It.
1: It's a four-four time, isn't it? And it's a. No idea. And I have it's the a walking
2: Least piece, knowledge of, of music
0: advice. theory. That's Listeners, cut into much our as P.O. A... box once again.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a full bag. <clears throat> so I noticed you were, when you are playing that, um, you had a sort of, what would you call it, tremolo? Uh, vibrato. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. How are you doing that with your uh, right hand? And just for people who aren't familiar with the concertina, so that we, we talked a bit about the rows of buttons, but the melody's constructed on both sides, right? Yes. Yeah, so you're kind of moving from left hand to right hand as you're stringing the melody together. Yeah,
2: Um, look, I think a lot of, uh, all concertina players will will do it their own way. Um, So my right hand um, side is resting on, mostly resting on my right knee. Uh, And I use that right hand then to sort of run a a shake through the bellows, because obviously they're quite dynamic to get that effect off the bellows. Uh, other people will kind of um, maybe shake their fingers a bit more, and they might, they might just do the left side or, or whatever, whatever gets it done. Really, yeah.
0: There's a thing with the um, that I've been noticing at the minute, and it's something I, I'm really liking. Is that breath? Like you hear it an mm. it's an intake or or is it a push? Maybe it's both. But you hear,
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'll uh, hear it. It's- you will, yeah. So you've got a, a thumb uh, right right hand side. You've got a, a, a thumb button which is basically to either increase air in the chamber or or decrease as in the in the bellows mm-hmm. so if you run out of air like it's um it's that's an anglo concertina so um you'll get a different note depending on whether you push or pull when you press the key so if you play a tune that's in g you could end up losing a lot of air so you'll end up with the bellows pressed together, and you might have to gasp for breath. Interesting. So, and you learn then again. So playing cross keys, you can maybe you might end up struggling with that a little bit more because you might end up playing. You know, so it's a, like a poor comparison is a, um, you know, um, a, a piano accordion. When you see piano accordion players playing, they they pull all in one go, and then they oh, get to the end and they swing it all back in again, yeah. and you lose a lot of dynamism in that style of playing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the bellows in on an Anglo concertina for Irish music provides a lot of that dynamism because you're changing direction, you know, every couple of notes if yeah. you choose to. So yeah. when I hear
0: a, a particular big um, intake, that gasp, like a <laughs> yeah, is, that's that's because you're coming near the end of steam on either end and you need to
2: quickly do it. Or was that, or was that a technique that is employed uh, to you? I mean. If you're hearing it maybe you maybe you shouldn't be maybe See, I'm I'll I'll not playing well enough um, I love it you know uh, but I so, also
0: really really enjoy listening to the sound of your fingers on the instrument itself so that the, yeah those little things that happen in the background I, that's all part of it it makes it such it makes more it of a living exactly yeah. Yeah, real living yeah. instrument
2: and you can get and, and this I mean this constantly that I have it is you know is is a beautiful machine I'm uh, really really lucky to have it um and so when those keys go down um, there's, there's cushioning around those keys to reduce that noise. So, if you get an older Jeffries or an older Weedstone that hasn't been as well looked after, um, it might be a bit more clicky. Uh, yeah. And sometimes that sounds great. So, if you hear the, the likes of, um, say, Cor McBegley play the concertina, he's, he's got a, a That's exactly big, what I was big thinking variety of <laughs> concertinas. Um, and and you, it's really tangible. Mm-hmm. So, that, that that extra essence of concertina that, that goes into the music is it's just mind-blowing mm. and he's a flat. particularly breathy yeah
0: and, and deliberately so yeah and yeah. that's why I was wondering yeah. how much of it is deliberate or how much of it is a, uh,
2: a technique that's employed to get you through a something happening yeah and it sounds like look I haven't spoken to him about it but I, but I, I, I think it's a, it's a deliberate technique to make it sound um, more, more energetic um, and you know there's different I mean I can play a tune that will basically go all in one direction because I know how to, to do that and it sounds pretty flat um, so I'm conscious I've made a, and, and it was one of the things I had to kind of reverse out of cause I had gone down this rabbit tunnel of rabbit warren of, of, um, learning that cross key fashion. So I know every, I know where every, everything is. Yeah. So I find it really easy to play all in one direction if I, if I choose. So just to kind of get back the dynamic of the bellows, I, I actively think about that when I play to try and make sure that it is. Great. As lively, if I'm playing jigs like, and reels, as I can.
0: If you don't mind, would it, could we take just a quick example? Like you said, you could do something in one, and then to yeah. just because uh, I know I'll, I'll, I'll regret not getting it on tape, the, the sounds we're talking about. Yeah. Can we yeah. have a quick?
2: Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, you'll hear it. Yeah. So this is a tune called "Saddle the Pony." This would be like a tune that I learnt really early on. Um, so, so I've pulled out the bellows full, and I'll you know, just kind of they'll work their way in.
3: Uh, oh.
2: get the gist of it you can yeah, probably so hear where it changes direction yeah
0: and yeah. that was one all the way in and one probably half way out to all yeah. of that and then and i'm so surprised yeah. that that's i would have imagined i don't know why it would
2: be a lot more air moved for uh, a tune that length so this is a really good quality concertina okay that's definitely got a lot to do with it right. so if i try to do that on my old jeffries not gonna happen no. <laughs> no. <laughs> all right <coughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah and then the
0: and then the so the, if i played that poppy yeah. then same tune
2: <laughs> yeah um So, and I'm trying not to use the air button there now. It could if you did to do something like what Cormac Begley may or may not do, but I think what he does, so... Hey. he's actually using the bellows a lot to get that push and dynamism yeah, right. and it's beautiful yeah, it's, it's beautiful. also
1: it's almost like a it's almost like a rhythmic accompaniment too yeah. isn't it mm-hmm. absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. 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 yeah But e- yeah.
0: even yeah. The, the when you played it the second time it was a bit more um, poppy you call it it definitely yeah. had a lot more dance
1: to it yeah, it was it you, yeah. you physically moved yeah. you straight away mm-hmm. yeah. thanks for that
0: that was great that's
2: alright yep yeah.
1: So you're going along to all these sessions in, in London and you're seeing these amazing players. And it's it's really interesting to me, um, as somebody who's heard about the London scene from uh Kevin Burke and talking about being there as a youngster in the sixties, right yeah. through to, to yourself. What what how would you like what was it like?
2: Can you paint a picture for me of going into one of those pubs? Um Yeah. Look, I would love to have been there in 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 those days. I would love to have lived in London so that we could have gone at will to one of those, and we weren't just—you—you all still felt like you were an outsider to it because you were from Luton, and there were London musicians there. Now they were really engaging and lovely, and but you know, you just have your own set of issues, I suppose. Um, but you'd open the door of the coach and horses—a double double door, you know, those kind of narrow doors—pump in straight yeah, into exactly, that, that 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 um, you know. A pattern carpet that had been worn through with drink and chewing gum and smoke yeah. um, into like a, a, a cloud of smoke basically that's yeah. and, and, and heaving with people on a sunday afternoon it 'd be gorgeous outside um, there would be flowers on the on, on the on the windows window boxes um, and everyone 's inside listening to the music and you sort of take a right um, down a step, bars off to the left, down a step, and there they are around a table in the corner. Um, and there might be Noel Welton on the banjo, Sharon Burke um, on the, on the flute, um, Brian Rooney, Paddy Hayes, um, uh, Jim Philbin, um, like ourselves, you know, James Streetser, me, um, and, and, you know, Hodgepodge, more of other, like, either, you know, um, aspiring musicians or, or, or greats, like, it was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So when you when you when you're thinking in your mind's eye and you're taking us back to to that memory, what age what age are you to sort of have a reference on?
2: Oh, range. Um, and there were other pubs as well. That's the one that really stuck out for me, um, because Paddy Hayes um, was like this sort of young Santa Claus kind of figure, big beard, um, sparkle in his eye, really. Fantastic. would just, you know, he would be the person that would invite you to start a tune um, and would, you know, would would tell you that you were a, a really good musician. You know, the stuff that it doesn't matter if you hear from your mum and dad. It matters when you hear from someone like that. Um, you know, just fantastic. Great yeah. bunch, great bunch of people. That's yeah. lovely, yeah.
1: So,
0: Go ahead. Well, I was going to jump to Australia if it's not too soon to jump. So that's why I was asking about what age. When you're in your mind's eye and you're kind of thinking about... Particularly here, because that's a moment, and you kind of—I know you've got a definite yeah. time in your mind.
2: Yeah. You uh, mind? Well, I suppose like there's a, there's a step in the middle, which is, um, you know, I, I left England when I was 18 and moved to Ireland to go to college in Cork, and that was a big part of right. uh, my, I, what I felt at the time was my real musical education, but it, but really it was it was already happening in London, but I just didn't I didn't really know it. You know, yeah. that was just that, that that's the canvas that you had. Um, i went to ucc and i played with you know a great bunch of friends down there for a couple of years and then moved to dublin and met africa um we played a lot together and um you know that sort of life trucked along um playing in playing in dublin and kildare and uh, when it when it's only i suppose the, the the thing that the thing that i was really hoping to get from moving to Ireland was to really feel like I was that I wasn't an outsider anymore you know that that being an English sounding because I sound English um Irish music playing yeah concertina player that that would be um you know that that would fall away and that I'd just be like a Constantina player
0: and and what what was it what was your impression what was it like
2: uh like I, I always felt like an outsider that ne- that never changed um and, but you were you holding know,
0: it down musically uh like
2: yeah like yeah yeah i'm try, it, try my best yeah. um but it, i think it was just a really that was the chip on my shoulder that was nobody else that's just me um and that that changed when i moved here so that was that was the epiphany then it's like it just doesn't matter you're not you know because in, in australia no one gives a toss mm-hmm. you know i could tell people at work that i'm from ireland and they believe it because they may not have sent, heard that many English accents. Yeah, yeah. They don't care. So here, you know, and I want, you know, the, most of the people playing Irish music in Australia are not born in Ireland. So, and, and yet the quality of music is fantastic. So it, suddenly it, it didn't matter that I was either Irish or trying to be Irish or trying not to be English. It just didn't matter anymore. So I, I'm, Fully reconcile with that now, and that's really because I'm here, and not you know not trying to be Irish in an island or you know yeah.
0: It is funny, like that's the reoccurring thing with when we and Dom first met was around that idea of identity. I don't know; it's probably sounds like it's more extreme having an accent, but I didn't definitely feel Irish, and I didn't really. Dom had similar feelings in a sense. I don't want to speak for you when we met. Yeah. Around, just around identity, what r- what lovely. role the music plays <laughs> to you? Hey, <laughs> you, you saw that look. <laughs> the listeners no. get to see that look. that I have to withstand on a weekly rate? What are you asking me now? Uh, Don't tell the origin story again. I'm not going to tell the origin story. Well, uh, what happened was. <laughs> <laughs> but no, in, in, just going back, that that idea of identity and sometimes it's harder when you are at the cold face to understand what it even means to you in the first place the whole concept of identifying with something some i don't know sometimes stepping away from it all and and realizing it doesn't matter a iota in the yeah. first place is yeah. really the thing that makes you ground you and kind of takes that pressure off you it doesn't yeah. really matter obviously it matters heaps when you reevaluate it again yeah. But as long as you can get to the place where you understand, it doesn't matter then. Yeah,
2: just took me like thirty-nine years to, to work it out. Oh, you're
0: there! <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> right, got some work right. to do. <laughs> so uh, then, go ahead. No, go go go. No go. Well, you came here. So when did you go? How long have you been here then?
2: Um, August 14. Um, so five years, just over five years. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's.
1: Go ahead. Did you come here from Ireland?
2: Yeah. Yeah, we did, yeah. yeah. So w- what was the...
1: So you met Afrik, your your wife? Yeah. In Dublin? Yep, 2002. W-
2: what does she play?
1: Fiddle. Right. Yeah.
2: What prompted this move to here? Uh, you know, we're, we're just economic migrants, the same as my, my parents, you know. It's history repeating, uh, just in a different location. Um, you know, the, the global financial crisis, because that's what they call it here, um... You know, it hit us pretty hard. Um, we had a mortgage that was, you know, just just too hard. And Afric, um, Afric's a GP, and uh, she was, you know, struggling. Like You know, they, they were just... Taxes were going up, wages were going down. Um, and we just... We felt the only sensible thing to do was to leave. And it was after uh Africa's father, Gay, passed away, um, that we felt then was the right time, that everybody else that we knew that was close to us was in was in good shape. And I just thought, right, if we're going to do it, we should do it now. That's
0: it. Sorry. That was a, I was going to say, that's a big, it must have been a big decision for kids, because that's, mm-hmm. what, 10 and, f- what, 14? Yeah, so,
2: yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so Danica's here half his life now.
0: Yeah. yeah and so. then I'm sure you would have had, like, just going off the back what we are talking about, about being... Is, uh, yeah. identifying
2: you kind of going really well what am I doing that. yeah and it was really hard um <laughs> I would probably get emotional again but um you know telling McDara aged eight that in, in a year's time just under we're going to move to Australia you know we handled it appallingly as as parents. We, we we planned to tell him first before we told anybody else and and when we did, it was so late at night on a Friday evening. We got Danica to bed and then, you know, sat him down. He was, you know, like glassy-eyed, tired, wondering why he's been kept up. And we told him and he just said, "You can count me out. I'm not going. And, and you know, and he welled up. He was like, you know, I'm not going. And, you know, you're hoping for an ally. And, and he didn't have one. So that was hard. Um, he came round. We, we explained he was interested in cricket. And we explained that, you know, Australia had a lot of that going on. And that that was that was the kind of the, the sweetener, if you like. Um, but it was hard to it's hard to convey that change to an eight year old. That you know, yeah, you, your gran, your grannies are not coming with you. You know that. You know, and he, he's not stupid. You know, he worked that one out. Pretty, you know, as soon as the question was finished, he was not coming. Um, and we, but we made the plans and. Um, you know, my mum took it pretty hard, um, very hard, in fact. Um, she didn't talk to us for a long time after we told her. Um, and I could understand why, you know. She had seen it firsthand. She'd been on – she'd been in on the on the delivering end of that, you know. So, you know, we – the process kind of starts to take care of itself. You stop thinking about – the immigration, you've got so much to worry about in terms of, you know, packing up a house, getting it ready to be rented out, um, panicking, you know, as time, time's clock, you know, ticking away, you know, job, Africa had a job organized out here. I, I didn't, you know, so I was, you know, unemployed for six to eight months, um, starting to worry, starting to feel unemployable, um, So, you know, so the transition wasn't necessarily that smooth. Some things were fantastic, like Africa had a bit of family out here and they had helped us to find uh, a school and a house in Heidelberg, um, which turned out just like so beautifully amazing. Um, And the coincidences that came off the back of that were just brilliant. So, um, but, you know, without that help, you know, it would have been really hard. Um, but we ended up we ended up living on this house in Heidelberg um, on Radnor Street. And months after we moved in, uh, we had gathered ourselves together and we were going to go to a session at the last jar, a Sunday afternoon session. And Mairead Hurley, a player, a uh, great, great person, was out here at the time. And um, so she had a few people that she knew on Facebook, so this sort of group. So we plugged into that and said, we, you know, to this session and that was the last one and we made it for half an hour and after that that was the last session of that Sunday afternoon thing so we said we'd have a few tunes at our house and you know any of that group more than welcome to come out because we'd like to just get to know people um and then later in the week and we put our address on the bottom of it and then later in the week this guy Graham Newell says you know, like it's about half 10 you know Wednesday night or something you guys live on Radnor Street I live on Radnor Street I yeah. And we find out that he's like there's only one house between us. And that you think the neighbors could have could yeah. have copped on. They would have heard the same nonsense yeah. coming out of both houses. It was probably the opposite like, never let them talk. Never let them talk. <laughs> We're finished. So um, and he's been you know, he's a great friend. Yeah. So so that music like, you know, moving out here. Um, and when people say, you know, it must have been hard, you know, economic migrant with, you know, family and all that, sometimes you think it is. But then you, like, really, the music has done so much for us here to help us establish ourselves and the kids, you know.
0: How long was it before you, you, you got into a session when you, when you got here? Because I'm sure yeah, that kind months. of thing falls off your... Like, oh, it's one of the things sorry. that should be near the top. You should be right when we get there. Yeah, I'll hit a few places up. But that social aspect falls yeah. away because, well, if you're unemployed, for example... Oh, you're anxious at all. You don't want to be yep. out and you don't want to talk about what you do for profession. You don't want to engage.
2: So you just clamp That's down. Right. That's mine anyway. Yeah. Uh, and I was a bit like that. Um, and I remember getting uh, being lucky enough to get a job and then um, knowing that I basically was going to start work in a month. And suddenly, you know, I've had all this time with the boys, uh, walking them to school, being a stay-at-home dad, which is marvelous. Like, it, God, that was so good. Um, and then it's a month, and I'm like, all oh, right, I haven't done anything for me yeah. at all. So I thought, "Right, right, I'm going to write a tune every day for a month, and I'm going to put it on Facebook. So I did that, and that really, again, started to make me think about what, what was music for me, what was I doing this for, because um, I would, you know... Is that if, still on Facebook? It's still on Facebook, yeah. I've put them up on YouTube, so they're on YouTube, yeah. So there, some of them are awful. No, yeah, I still love awful. that. <laughs> it's such a great... Um, I love
0: that as an experiment, as a as a forcing the get to the coalface every yeah, day, every day, do something.
2: Yeah, it was it was it was great. There were some nice tunes that came out of it, some awful stuff as well. But you know, but
1: you got the but you got them done. Which uh, is yeah, the, which yeah. is the that was the key yeah. thing,
2: right? I did yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah. Africa was very patient.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well there was a there was a definite end mark on it too. It was
0: like yeah. and, yeah. and was he's it. gonna start work. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny you're you're talking I mean what you're talking about there, I can sort of relate to in the sense that like um myself and my wife were just talking this is our second last week was two years since we'd moved right. from Seattle. And so I, I was looking at my phone and I just saw a picture I'd taken of like all the boxes and stuff that we'd unpacked. You know, we when you know when your stuffer we were here without any stuff for yeah. like two and a half months or three months until yeah. the stuff arrived from Seattle, <laughs> and then you're unpacking it, going
2: like, "What the fuck is this? Yeah. What the- <laughs> Did we actually pay somebody to ship yeah. this? Like, the thousands yeah. of A load of kitchen equipment arrived. Yeah. You know, ten weeks late. We've got
1: all this stuff now from yeah, IKEA. So, you know, so um, but but uh, like so much of what you're talking about, that sort of transition into like, what am I going to do here for work? How does it? How does it? Um, even just how do you, um, how do you fit yourself into, um, existing in a society where people are different than the place you've just come from, wherever that is. And, you know, yeah. ideas of, I don't know, like this, it can be as
2: trivial as the stuff you talk about in the playground to yeah, other parents, but that's right? You look for commonality and, right. you know, that, that, that playground. So the, that's it. That's, that's actually where I found my job. Um, it was one of the other dads, um, but it's those things in common. It's children. And then for the music group, it's music or, you know, music and families. And, you know, you, you have to find a way to get to know people. And, and that's, you know, talking about the weather passes on pretty quickly. And, you know, so that, that we were so lucky but between um, family that, that Africa had out here. Um, and, and they were, they'd moved, some of them had moved out in the 80s, but still were very close to the Irish family. the the music group and then that school parent group. Like before this, I was at a a hotel uh, with a charity function for the Mercy Perinatal. So one of those families is, you know, really passionate about, about fundraising and that, and, and there's a really great bunch of parents that, you know, help. And, you know, those, those things are, yeah. For me being here, being in Australia, that stuff is much more vivid than, than, it, than it felt in Ireland. And maybe we were just in a daze over there. I couldn't tell you what we did for the previous 10 years in Ireland because it was just like going through the motions or, you know, oh, the overdraft is absolutely fully drawn again. Oh, there we are. And, you know, uh, here we just, yeah, it's different. It's better.
0: It does force you to take notice of those things. I, I find you put, I don't know how to phrase it, it's almost like you are made aware of these things, or but it's, whether it's a, your social group. I think because you are so far away. It, for me, anyway, when I find myself in a situation where I'm, I'm grateful for being there through all the different choices that got me to where I am. Yeah, I think the, the, the distance from home makes me appreciate those moments, and I find myself appreciating them with reference to where I've come from. Yeah, and I don't know it's a it's a beautiful byproduct of because it's not a planned of what we did but it isn't mm. for me anyway in my life it's a beautiful byproduct of that distance yes the bits that suck suck but I get to appreciate moments a
2: lot deeper you really do. than I probably would have yeah you really do yeah mm. yeah June <laughs> I thought you might say that I can't think of one now
3: i played <laughs> um,
2: play two polkas. yeah Great. What, what were they? Uh, that is the A.B. Polka and Jessica's Polka. And uh, one of the things I do really badly is remember the names of tunes. So I actually had to ask Donica, our 10-year-old, what <laughs> the names of those, because he's learned them recently, um, partly from Teresa, I think. So um, we, we play them a little bit at home. Yeah. So, yeah, they're two. I don't know who wrote them, but um, they're, they're cracking tunes. Yeah, great yeah. tunes. Yeah. yeah. Do you do you find yourself at particular periods drawn towards particular types of tune uh yeah I do um so my time in cork um when I was in college that would have there would have been lots of polkas and slides mm-hmm. uh, I love the movement in those tunes um the way they seem to stretch bars well out um you could, i I don't know if
1: like, Your playing is also very. I was going to say dynamic, but it's it's very subtly dynamic. I mean. the the movement that you have when you're when you're playing right, the bodily up. movement yeah. and then also you can just hear in it it's it's like watching the surface of the sea or something when you know when it's kind of just coming up it's <laughs> if, it's if beautiful I, if i see
2: myself on you know a video i just cannot stand the how much i move around i'm like god it looks like i'm plugged in or something I what just, <laughs> oh, that's i hate great. it <laughs> Well, that, that,
0: that, that's... that's um. But it, it, it's similar to how a few episodes ago, oh, we were talking about Liz's episode, so I know you, you spoke there, yeah. uh, Liz Carroll, and about watching people's feet, and like how today I was doing the same with you. Yeah. But that upper body, that torso movement, adds so much. Like, like It's it's part of who you are, whether you like it or not, as a player, yeah, and, I, and watching you play is beautiful, but because of it. like You, <laughs> you, you find yourself... Me as a listener... And if you were, I find myself responding to your movement. So you'll find, I find like, like you'll pull back. Just, what's the word? There's a symmetry or there's a psychology behind it. But I found myself a few times almost dancing <laughs> across the room. But it, that's what, it's such an integral part of it that you, you miss when you're not watching it perform live and you're just listening to it on a, I was yeah. going to say on a tape. Yeah, <laughs> tape. Hello. Yeah. Yes, on CD. That's <laughs> what the kids use these <laughs> days. <laughs> so what 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 role is not what role playing these days you you obviously settle here now and you your kids are trucking along and you, your wife is playing along
2: at the moment still she's busy she's a, she's a, a busy woman um she doesn't play as much as she would like to or as much as I would like her to um she plays a good bit she's a fantastic uh, fiddle player um, but I, I know I play more uh, i just i just get probably more chance to do that
0: and where do you where do you get to if you can get out where, where would people go if they want to get drive? out or get in
2: um, <laughs> i go to the poet um drunken poet on a friday if i can maybe once a month once every three pub weeks in melbourne yep pub in melbourne uh, yeah. on peel street um, it's a short walk from work on a friday evening i just you know uh, when i have the concertina at work on my desk on friday i just <sighs> know it's just so good um, uh, and it can be it can be a, a tough spot um, just noise wise but it's a, just a just great to catch up with those musicians and play Um, and then as often as we can elsewhere either like somebody's house or and that's the bit that I just think Australia has more than we would have had in Ireland so we didn't really have we would have had tunes at Afri's parents house um, often Um, but here you know we host tunes at our house or you know maybe Graham Newell or you know there's just there's quite a there's quite a vibrant scene yeah great. so yeah
0: and mm-hmm. um, th- th- with the tunes that you've um that you've composed yourself have you, have you recorded
2: we have um so Afri and i uh, did an album before we emigrated uh which we still haven't actually launched properly but that's the way these things go um and it was a mixture of english folk music irish folk music stuff we would written ourselves and uh, we were just listening to a lot of English folk music at the time mm-hmm. so it was a, an influence of that I suppose and then I'm currently recording and uh, like, a, my, like a solo album I, oh, I hate that idea of great. a solo album but uh, so Africa's, um is um, obviously on that and Graham Newell and Kate Burke so uh, great, you know eh? she's been a really um, just a, a great asset to that whole project because she's, she's obviously really good at it Um, And it's just got some, you know, brilliant insights. So that's Mm -hmm. been a lot of fun. We haven't done it in a couple of months. Um, Just we took a, we we, we had a couple of days recording it um, and I wasn't happy with, you know, me basically. So Mm -hmm. again, probably my own hang ups, but I've just, we're going to go and record a few more um, and then whatever happens after that. I I want to ask you, that this is just flipping back a
1: little bit, but I'm I'm interested about the the English folk music that you were listening to, because Mm -hmm. um, on on a few occasions when I've been exposed to really um, old English folk music, I've been blown away by it. Amazing. I remember hearing an old guy singing um, a version of The Foggy Foggy Dew, a song called The Foggy Foggy Jew, which was from Suffolk. And wow. it was like a field recording, and I heard this. I've never found it again. I'm sure anybody who knows about that kind of music would know who it was. But it was, it was a well-known uh, old field recording of this guy, and it was incredible. Mm. And I've just I've, I've always been kind of interested about um. It's it, there's so much richness in that tradition yeah. that, as yeah. well
2: that that seems barely uncovered in lots of ways. Um, yeah, I mean, I remember growing up, and I would see, you know, Morris music being played in various places. You know, grew up in the home counties, you'll see a bit of it, um, but not much. And it wasn't, you know, it was sort of frowned upon within. It the, was a joke, community. really, wasn't it? The yeah, Morris dancing was the absolutely, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I think I'm not sure about that whole um, folk music revival house. How positive it was in for all aspects of English folk music, but but if you look at the really good stuff, so. Um, so I play uh, Colin and Rosalie Dipper, concertina. So they, would, they, they are English uh, makers. Uh, their son, John Dipper, who actually would have made a lot of that concertina, um, is an outstanding uh, fiddle player. Um, so to listen to him play with the likes of Rob Harbin and Chris Wood, uh, the English Acoustic Collective was a, an album that was recorded I don't know maybe twenty years ago, and it 's just exquisite and the, and the tunes not just the melodies, but so, so there 's so much richness there um, and there 's been a you know, a more um, you know to the likes of John Bo- John Bowden or John Spires, who forms Bellowhead or started you know this this huge English folk band um, yeah, you, you know as, as just some of those uh, influences on you know, on our music then and, and actually it 's probably the likes of John spires um who's quite a percussive concertina and, and melodian box player that would have really influenced my music um in in latter years and using more basses and chords and i remember meeting him in oxford i was going to do um teach at a, at a concertina weekend in oxford um and i was you know maybe 21 or so going to do this workshop and going having, having some spare time and going into the music shop that was in the town and John Spires is in there. I have no idea who this guy is. And, you know, he was a nice fellow asking questions and we're chatting away. But I didn't really, I had no insight into that English music and I wasn't really listening to it. He played a couple of tunes in the shop and I was thinking, that's not great. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, I, and I left. Yeah. And then a couple of years later, like maybe 10 years later, I get this duet album. I think it was Vagabond, which is John Spires and John Bowden. And I am blown away. And I work out it's the same guy. And I'm like, oh, for God's sake, <laughs> why didn't I, why didn't I strike up a proper conversation with that fellow? Yeah. And uh, and yeah, he's like amazing musician.
1: Just yeah, amazing. you know, it's 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 so part of what's fascinating about this as well is like um, the the Irish English thing, right? So that's I mean, do you consider yourself English Irish? Does it matter? Doesn't do you, matter now. You're a global yeah.
2: citizen. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, uh, so, but it used to bother me. But, but it doesn't now.
1: But it's interesting yeah. cause, uh, because part part of what has made me sometimes, um, what puts me on edge a bit, being honest about it, is I dislike when I hear in kind of quote-unquote Irish circles or Irish music circles uh, disparaging stuff about, you know, I won't sing that because it's, Eng- it's English or whatever, you know, like yeah. even in just in, in a sort of passing phrase of stuff, yeah. it just really kind of gets my... <laughs> Yeah I guess where I, I, I go? you know and I'm just
2: uh, that's that's why I was um, I, I guess always, that's why would, I'm just kind of interested yeah. in poking around in this No you know? I, I, I always, if I, and I do hear similar from time to time I will always cite references to really good quality English music that they should go and listen to <laughs> <laughs> Cuz it's there Yeah <laughs> it
1: I, you know the, the Scottish, um, Scottish songwriter Scottish Michael Mara has a song called um, If I Was an Englishman No 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 and, no no And no. it's a great it's no, sorry, <laughs> <that one. wrong> <laughs> <on>. <laughs> <laughs> all right, sorry. so uh, I, don't, I don't know where to go with that. Now it's just a, it, was a, it was a great sort of it's a great sort of listing of of uh, sort of positive contributions from English civilization to sort of Oh fuck whatever. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, don't. no, it's all right. If it was an Englishman, I don't know. It's just a great song. It's just a great song, and I, but it, it, it's um, uh he wrote it for he dedicated it to Martin McCarthy the uh, mm. uh, singer and guitarist, and um, it's just kind of i don 't know. know where I was going with that it 's just important to remember that stuff you know yeah, it's yeah, important no, to kind of sure. acknowledge that stuff and just like um, yeah so that 's all but you I know. think in here in end the, is the lesson
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, like, do you think do, you, do you still hear that as
1: often No, Even but, like, uh, but i've heard it i 've heard it since i 've been here oh really i've definitely heard it the old time yeah, yeah. And yeah. i think okay. if
2: you if you separate uh, I, I think most people looking from the outside see um, England Britain Great Britain and the what was the empire they've that view on oh, and, on what it all, all was as and as they not do separate myself. so if I go and talk to John Dipper um, and his parents they are they are English but they they're, they're not that it's so different they they they're not um you know brexit kind of you know exclusive english you know english to take over the world they're not like that that's not who they are and there's so many english people that are you know that have that have the right to their culture and and their their folk music but it seems to be trampled on because um other people who are in power decided to go out and you know take over the world and 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 wreck it for everybody my, <laughs> so, my mom and dad weren't colonialists it is essentially what
0: they should be allowed to say, I would imagine. Hmm. Like, uh, yeah,
3: uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot there. <laughs> there's a lot there. We've
1: gone down a rabbit
3: hole. Yeah. <clears throat>
1: just kind of like for episode,
0: back out of this episode sixty-four. Rabbit- <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. So maybe one tune to, to finish, or do before you want to sing? Finish, do you want to sing something? Mm. <laughs> I'm just throwing that in there. It's, That's okay. I'm and I'm, I'm, <laughs> okay.
0: I'm just going to go back and I know you don't want to self-promote but I'd love to keep abreast of when things are happening with this solo thing so it's going to be later on it's coming
2: is the best place
0: um, to follow you if you've got a website is it, where, is it no. Facebook or is Pou- it? poorly organised uh, or just Darren, but, um, watch it and it will happen.
2: Yeah, our, uh, well, I'm sure at some stage um, I'll ask Kate Burke how do we go about actually promoting this thing once we've got it made All right, we'll make um, sure you share that to us and we'll yeah.
0: make make sure people can find it. yeah thank you I will I'm looking forward to it <laughs> Yeah, we can be finished on a song, is that what we said?
2: Uh, I'll play a tune um, <laughs> if I can think of one.
0: Kieran O'Grady. A legend. Yeah. Okay. I know I say that a lot, but he feels such a lovely father to be in the presence of. I think I said it before Is that. Qu- quiet confidence when he's playing, just watching him just like steer the ship. It's gorgeous. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah I, I, absolutely. Um, and getting
0: in c- close quarters, I know I mentioned it in the, in the episode, and I suppose it's okay to talk about it now, but I adore when you can get in and actually hear the, the timbre of the instrument not just the sound not you, so you the like sounds, the mouths speaking. and the buttons and i love the, it Like yeah. just you know when you listen to some whether it's a i don't know some banjo players you can when you can actually hear the pads of their fingers particularly those mellow tunes i i love the breaths that and yeah it's a beautiful beautiful opportunity to get a record Karen, in a situation like that yeah trams so, and all thank you <laughs> thank you Karen. kieran yeah. was
1: that was so
0: great and, and for becoming a patron, mate thank you so much honestly that made a Big difference in those early days. You put two big
1: smiles on these guys' it's yeah. Just a wee brissy bonus, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's it for this week. Thanks again to everyone. Good luck.
3: Hi, my name is Pietro. Please become a good subscriber to the podcast. Thank you.